Happy Sunday, church family, and all of our friends who are joining us online this weekend. Uh, Today is the last day of summer. Can you believe that? I don't know about you, but I am ready for a change of season, a change of weather. Uh, I think living in this part of the country, fall is my favorite season by far, and I'm just looking forward to being able to get outside with my family and uh, do some bonfires and just relax with friends. It's going to be a really good season. Well, today we're going to continue our series, Who's My Neighbor? And I'm going to ask that you pause the podcast for just a moment and that you go find a hand towel if you can. Now, I know that sounds like a weird request, but you're going to need that uh, for the message today. It's going to be used as a visual illustration. So at this time, if you'll just pause the podcast, uh, go grab a hand towel and then come back and you can start it right back up. Well, the reason that I've asked you to grab a hand towel is because the towel and basin are symbols of service in God's word. These two things are going to act as visual aids for the message this morning as we talk about using our towels to serve with compassion. So the towel and basin are seen in God's word at the Last Supper or the Passover meal that Jesus shared with his disciples. And we see this in the book of John chapter 13, as well as Luke 22. And we'll reference both of these passages today. Now on the night before Jesus's crucifixion, he met with his disciples in an upstairs room to eat the Passover meal and to give them some final instruction for how to carry on his mission. Up until this point, it's clear that the disciples hadn't really understood what that mission really was, and this night was no different. Uh, Today's passage will be very familiar to some of you, but it's likely that there are those listening in this weekend who've never heard this story before. So allow me to tell the story of what happened that evening. Jesus and his disciples were coming together for this Passover meal. Now, in Jesus's day, the primary mode of transportation, if you were going anywhere, was on foot. And most of the roads were dusty dirt roads. So a person would walk these roads wearing only sandals on their feet. And if you're walking to someone's house, say for dinner, um, it was custom for the lowest servant in the house to wash the feet of the guest as they came in. If this didn't get done, everyone's dirty feet would be extremely close to the food because people typically reclined when they ate together. Now, this is my worst nightmare. If you know me, you know that that's absolutely disgusting. (laughs) It's important to note that on this particular occasion, the foot washer didn't show up at all. All right. He was MIA. He was missing in action. Now, imagine with me for a moment that you're standing behind one of those one-way mirrors that we see in movies, you know, the kind that that police officers use uh, when they're investigating a suspect. And as you're standing behind this mirror, you're watching this entire scene unfold. The first two disciples enter the room. They look around, and to their surprise, there's no foot washer. Now, in that moment, they have an important choice to make. Uh, They could either choose to wash their own feet and then go sit down, or one of them could take off his outer robe and then really assume the responsibility and the job of the foot washer, washing the feet of all the disciples as they came in. Now, you know the wheels must have been turning in their heads, and we know from reading these passages that none of the disciples took on the role of the foot washer that night. After all the disciples enter the house and go through the same thing, the same routine, 
they sit down, and, and finally Jesus comes in. And after they'd all been seated for a while, um, the Bible tells us that Jesus stood up from the table, took off his outer robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, poured water into a basin. All right, there's one of our words. We have towel and basin. And he began washing the disciples' feet. I can only imagine what this moment must have been like for these disciples. It's likely that they were remembering all the lessons, all the discussions, and all the mentoring and modeling of servanthood that Jesus had done. I only assume there was maybe feelings or an attitude of embarrassment, maybe regret or even tears as Jesus moved around the table one by one, washing their feet. When Jesus gets to Peter, uh, as usual, Peter resists what he's trying to do. Uh, But like we've seen many times before, Jesus just puts Peter in his rightful place. Jesus said, uh, Peter, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. After washing all the disciples' feet, Jesus put his outer robe back on and sat back down at the table. And then John chapter 13, verses 12 through 17, records uh, his next words for us. This is what we read. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, Do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Now, when you jump over to the book of Luke, uh, in Luke's account of the Passover meal, we're actually given more detail about what happened that evening. Jesus shared that one of the disciples would betray him, how it was the father's plan that Jesus would die. And then we see the disciples arguing with each other about which one of them is the greatest. Um, It really is a a bizarre scene, but not that surprising knowing the disciples up to this point. It's likely that Jesus intervenes in this discussion, in this argument. And as he's teaching the disciples, he begins washing their feet. Luke chapter 22, verses 25 through 27, gives us Jesus' response to their argument. This is what we read. Jesus told them, In this world, the kings and great men lord it over their people, yet they are called friends of the people. But among you, it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank, and the leader should be like a servant. Who is more important? The one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course, but not here. For I am among you as one who serves. Years later, the Apostle Paul summed up the example that Jesus had left with these words in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 8. Paul writes, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset or the same attitude as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, 
He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. The Apostle Paul indirectly compares what Jesus did at the Passover meal with his disciples uh, with what he did for all people as the Son of God. See, Jesus arose from his throne, set aside uh, the right to his glory and power, made himself nothing by being born as a servant, a man, and humbled himself to die on a cross. After washing the disciples' feet, At the Passover meal, Jesus put his outer robe back on and sat back down at the table, foreshadowing his resurrection and ascension to heaven. Where today, we know that he sits at the Father's right hand, interceding for those who are in Christ. Last summer in 2019, so not the summer of the pandemic, but the one before that, um, our church sent a team on a mission trip to Kentucky where we were able to serve with CAP, uh, which stands for Christian Appalachian Project. And uh, I was so blessed to be a part of this group uh, with five other OCC members. And uh, we knew going into this trip that the weather was going to be extremely hot, extremely humid, and that the work would be physically demanding. But we were also excited. We were excited to see how God would use our group to minister to the lives of others and how God would use this experience to grow our own faith. CAP advertises that you don't need any prior construction skills to participate. Uh, It's definitely comes in handy or is useful, uh, but there's a lot of on-the-job training and mentoring that happens throughout the week. Um, You just need to show up with an attitude to serve and an attitude to work hard. Now, what I witnessed that week uh, from these five other OCC members um, has made a lifelong impact in my own life. You see, regardless of the job that needed to be done, each and every one of these individuals, they they said yes first. They didn't wait to see what others did first, or, or they didn't wait for one of the foremen to tell them what to do. See, they jumped right in, and they worked hard all week. The passage that we're looking at today is teaching us in a very clear way that Jesus modeled what I like to call a say yes first attitude. A, a say yes first attitude. Matthew chapter 20 verse 28 tells us that Jesus came not to be served, but to serve others. And he modeled what this service looks like in very specific ways. So for the message today, I'm going to give you six uh, brief points. Uh, the first three points in the message are going to help us understand uh, this model That Jesus demonstrated. And then the last three points will help us apply the model uh, to our own lives as we look to serve others with compassion. So if you happen to be taking notes today, the first point that we're going to talk about, the first truth is that Jesus modeled humility. Jesus modeled humility. Philippians chapter 2 verse 7 says, rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. You see, serving with compassion was part of Jesus's DNA. In fact, it seemed to be his first reflex. I want to encourage you uh, to keep that towel with you. Keep it visible for a while uh, as you learn to develop this reflex of serving first, 
uh, developing this say yes first attitude. You know, if there are dirty dishes that need to be washed, I know that's one of the things that I tend to, you know, turn the other way and, and walk as fast as I can down the hall. But if there's dirty dishes that need to be done, pick up your servant's towel and do them. If you see someone struggling, stop right where you're at and just pray for them right then and there. You know, for our students who might be listening or some of our young adults who are in college, if there's a peer at school that needs encouragement, use your servant's towel by stopping and saying hi, encouraging them when no one else will. You know, there are countless opportunities for all of us to use our servant's towel throughout the day. So I want to encourage you today, use your towel to humbly serve God and others. The second truth is this, Jesus modeled holiness. Jesus modeled holiness. Um, This truth needs a little more explanation from our initial passage in John chapter 13. You see, when Jesus came to Peter and was trying to wash his feet, Peter's initial response was to resist. In John chapter 13, verse 8, we see Peter's initial response. He actually says, you will never, ever wash my feet. And there's an exclamation point there. Peter says, you will never, ever wash my feet. And then Jesus says, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me or you won't have any part of me. So Peter responds, okay, then if you're going to wash me, wash all of me, not just my feet. Now in verse 10, uh, Jesus makes an important distinction between two words, um, washing and cleansing. Verse 10 says, Jesus replied, a person who is bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. The most accurate translation of this verse reads, He that has been once and for all washed all over does not need to do anything more than cleanse his feet. Now, what does this mean? I'm glad you asked. This is an important verse. In Jesus' day, it was common for people to use public baths. And when you were finished bathing... Um, As you walked on the dusty dirt road, um, you'd only need to rewash your feet once you got home. Everything else was already clean. So there's a spiritual application of this um, for all believers. See, when we're saved, we're washed all over so that we can be reconciled to God, so that we can have a restored relationship with God. In the book of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10, uh, we read that for God's will was for all of us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. You see, we can't be reconciled to God and live the life that God's called us to live, live a holy life um, on our own or by our own merit. Um, Jesus does the washing. He does the cleansing to bring us back to God. And then when we confess our daily sins to God, we have our feet washed and our walk is cleansed. Um, Jesus modeled this way of holiness for us. See, we allow the Lord to cleanse us from our sins uh, by his grace through faith in Jesus, and then to forgive us our sins day by day. Um, It's a daily walk with Jesus, not just a one-time bath or a one-time decision. The third truth is this, that Jesus modeled the way to joy. Jesus modeled the way to joy. Um, John 13, verse 17 says, Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. The New King James Version 
uh, says, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them, or blessed are you if you do them. This word blessed, this is our favorite Greek word, makadios. Uh, you'll remember this word from our series in the Beatitudes. Um, this word literally means happy or a kind of joy that the world cannot take away. All right, this is, uh, this is not a circumstantial joy. This is a joy that is rooted in Jesus. It's rooted in our relationship with Christ. Using your towel to serve with compassion will bring you more joy than just about anything else you can do. That's an important truth to remember. Jesus said um, it's more blessed to give than to receive. We see that truth echoed in these words in John. Uh, John 13 verses 12 through 15 says, After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, Do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord and you're right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. So what is Jesus asking his disciples to do in this passage? What does he want us to do? Well, it's clear that he wants us to wash each other's feet. So right now, I want you to go next door to your neighbor's house and uh, ask if you can wash their feet with your towel. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just kidding. You don't have to do that. See, Jesus is calling us to be servants and for us to make sure that our priorities are in the right order. See, first, we have to humble ourselves and submit our lives to Jesus. And then we're to keep our lives clean by staying connected to the Lord in our daily walk. You know, repentance and confession should be a daily thing. It's not just a one-time thing. And then we're to serve God by serving others with compassion. See, there's joy and fulfillment in this model that Jesus gives us. Well, I think the, the big question for today is how can we use our towel and basin to serve others with compassion, especially in practical ways? The, what's the practical application for this? Well, our application for today's message comes directly from this story in John 13 and Luke 22. Truth number one for application. Um, Jesus modeled strategic service. Jesus modeled strategic service. Um, everything Jesus did, connected in some way with his mission to seek and to save the lost. And church, that's our mission as well. Our mission here at OCC is to make more and better disciples. And I shared with you just a few weeks ago how our mission is the Great Commission. And we believe that we can accomplish this mission by doing three things. Um, first, we are passionate about engaging people right where they're at, building relationships and inviting them to come and hear the good news of Jesus. We invite people into a relationship with Christ. Uh, second, we equip people to grow in their faith in unity and maturity, giving people an opportunity to use the gifts that God has given them to build up the body of Christ. And finally, uh, we send people to serve encouraging them to be part of Christ's mission to make more and better disciples. So we invite people to come, we equip people to grow, and we send people to serve. That, that's what we're about. So how is strategic service practical in our everyday lives as we look for opportunities to serve with compassion? Well, strategic service just means that um, you do what needs to be done, and you do what you're best suited to do. 
In fact, I want to encourage everyone uh, today to ask themselves two questions. The first question is this, um, what needs to be done? And two, what am I best suited to do? So what needs to be done and what am I best suited to do? Answering these two questions individually helps us to move the ball down the field as a church. It helps us move forward. Remember, the church is a body, and the body needs all of its parts to function well and uh, to get anywhere quickly. Our mission as a church is not to fill up our building. It's not to fill the chairs on Sunday morning or to fill up our growth groups. I mean, these things are great, and we always want to see more and more people uh, coming and participating, but our mission is to make more and better disciples. Um, We believe the gospel, the good news of Jesus, changes lives. And that the church is God's plan A, B, and C for advancing the gospel. When Jesus says, I have given you an example to follow, do as I have done to you, he's reminding us that people's lives are what hang in the balance. I've said it before, and I'll say it again, and I'll say it as many times as I can, that there are no menial tasks in the kingdom of God. That means that every single job is important. You know, we don't just ask people uh, to babysit in our nursery on Sunday morning. We want to see loving care that communicates Jesus at every age, at every level of learning. We don't just pass out bulletins when people walk in the building. Um, Our greeters are the first impression for Christ that our guests might have. So we greet people with a smile, a good morning, and we pray that whoever walks through these doors would hear the message of Jesus preached clearly and effectively, that they would be able to worship God fellowship with other believers, and be encouraged in their faith. Every job in the church is important, and we can be strategic in how we're serving others. Jesus modeled strategic service, and we should be strategic as well. We use our towel and basin to serve with compassion so that others will have an opportunity to know the Lord. Number two, Jesus modeled a say yes first attitude. Jesus modeled a say yes first attitude. Sometimes people will reach out to me and say, Craig, I want to serve. I don't want to sit on the sidelines, but I don't know what I should be doing. I don't know what needs to be done. And friends, to be perfectly honest, I think it's okay to just jump in and do what needs to be done first. Remember our two questions, what needs to be done and what am I best suited to do? Sometimes you just have to start serving. You just have to do whatever needs to be done before you learn what you're best suited to do. You know, the say yes first attitude is having an attitude that says, I'm just going to serve. I'm just going to meet needs. I'm going to do whatever needs to be done. So I want to encourage you. I know you're listening online, um, but it's so much better to be here in person. It's so much better to be part of the body, to be here physically. Uh, Join the greeting team. Volunteer in the nursery if you love to be around kids. Serve as a youth coach. Uh, with our student ministry, help our property ministry as they care for the building and and grounds of the church. You know, there are so many opportunities for you to just start serving if you aren't already. Having a say yes first attitude uh, simply means keeping your eyes open and looking for opportunities to serve. So have a say yes first attitude. Number three, Jesus modeled sacrificial service. Jesus modeled sacrificial service. Uh, John 13 shows us how Jesus was willing to sacrifice and serve others. Uh, When nobody else was willing to wash feet. I'm sure they thought about it, but they passed up the opportunity. When nobody else was willing to, he was. 
When nobody else was willing to serve, Jesus was. You know, the word sacrifice means giving something up for the sake of someone or something else. And really, this fits right in with our definition for compassion. Compassion is giving up my wants to meet another person's need. Friends, I want all of us to hear this today. Now, we all know what it means to sacrifice something, right? We have the knowledge for this, but I'm not too sure that we all have the wisdom for this. Wisdom is just the application of knowledge, is living it out. And when it comes to our service to God through the ministry of the local church, my question for you is how far are you willing to go or how much are you willing to sacrifice? I want to encourage you to think about these things. Think about the things that tend to get in the way of serving. You know, uh, young parents, uh, do your kids' sporting events, if they're happening on Sunday, does that get in the way of you being here and gathering and worshiping with your church family? You know, it's fall. That means it's football season. You know, is football something that gets in the way of you serving or or being with your church family? What about weekend trips? Or You know, the the list goes on and on and on. And all of these things are, are great things when they're in the right context. But do we allow them to get in the way of our service to the Lord? How far are you willing to go? And what are you willing to give up so that you can consistently be used by God? I could give you so many examples of individuals in our own church family who've kept their servant's towel handy over the past couple of years. I've only been here two years, and I'm telling you, the stories I've heard goes uh, far beyond that. Years and years. Our church was founded, I believe, in 1973. There are generations of examples of people keeping their servant's towel handy. These examples over the past few years have been such an encouragement to my own life and my my own family. My charge for for you today is this. Let's be a church that has the towel and basin as part of our DNA. I want to encourage you to take your towel home if you're listening in in the car or keep your towel handy and allow God's word to really sink in. Look for ways to use your towel to serve with compassion. Have that say yes first attitude. Um, God's word tells us that you'll be blessed if you do.